Hello, I'm Evelyn O'Rourke and you're listening to the Drive Time Study Hub podcast. Episode 4, Maths Paper 1. And this evening we are crunching the numbers as we tackle one of the big talking points in the Leaving Cert every year. Honours Maths Paper 1. For some straight-A students, it's their cup final. The thing they look forward to the most, but the rest would rather be anywhere else. You know, normal people. Okay, you know, that's important because it's turned up in the exam twice out of the last three years. Marianne. Yeah? Something outside caught your attention? I suppose so. Eyes forward, okay? I wasn't aware my eye line fell under the jurisdiction of school rules. <laughs> Here we go. Tried to impress your classmates. <laughs> they don't look too impressed to me. I'm pretty sure I was just looking out the window. Marianne from Normal People, they're staring out the window during a maths class. Now, Honours Maths, of course, widely recognised as a demanding course. The paper requires careful planning and preparation. And this evening on the Study Hub, we have a wise old head ready to help you through. So please get your Honours Maths Paper 1 questions into us now at 51551. And while we're drumming up some business from there, I promised that I would keep you up to date on student opinions and the latest Leaving Cert related news here on the Study Hub. So let me bring you some results from a new survey by the Irish Secondary Students Union, which which takes into account the opinions of more than 20,000 second-level students. And the headline findings really from the survey are that 55% of leaving certs want a choice between calculated grades and in-person exams, and only 4% agree with holding the exams in the traditional way in June. And the ISSEU is also calling on the Department of Education to improve the quality of communications to students, saying, we must all make a conscious effort to reduce speculation around the return to school and the state exams in the media. We ask the department to pay particular attention to the leaking of documents and current discussions as this only serves to increase mental strain and worry on students. So there you go with that. You can let us know your thoughts on that on 51551. And also on the show this evening, we know indeed, as the students even in the survey there say, that for many this whole exam period is overwhelming and is causing some anxiety and worry. So Professor Brendan Kelly is going to be on the line shortly to help guide us all through this. And we're really looking forward, I think, to have that you know very important conversation with him. And we really hope that that will help. So again, questions into him. But first, for years and years and years, of all the subjects, honours level maths was always viewed as the one that was going to take more time to study than the others. And the question really was, you know, was it worth it? Then in 2012, a bonus scheme was introduced. 25 points were to be added to a student score for higher maths. And I'm joined now on the line by John Brennan, who was a maths teacher at Benilda's College for 40 years or so, the author of the Math Solutions book series. And John, nearly 10 years on, how can we measure the impact of those extra points on the take-up of honours maths now? Hi, Evelyn. Well, in 2010, there was about eight, eight, eight and a quarter thousand doing honours leaving cert maths. And that was 16% of the total number doing maths. And in 2019, there's 18,000 doing it. So that's a, that speaks for itself. So it's gone from 16% of people doing honours maths to 33%. So that's fantastic. They've doubled the numbers and it, it looks like it's nearly 20,000 have applied for it this year. Now, as I was saying there, you know, the ongoing conversation for people was, you know, is it worth doing? Because it does take that bit of time and commitment. It's a tough course. What do you think? Well, it's all about points. I mean, there's some, I'm not going to bore you with statistics, but I'll give you a few. The first thing is, is that of the students who do it, 1.8% of them don't get any points out of it, which means that 98.2% of students who do honours leaving cert maths get 37 points or more. That's pretty encouraging. I tell you, I tell you, I would, I would be very happy with that. But it's even better, the holy grail is to get the H6, because if you get a H6, you get 71 points. 
And the good news is, is that 95% of the students who do the exam get a H6 or better. So that's 71 points. But you, 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 couldn't, you couldn't not take an opportunity to do that. But in terms of the time, though, I mean, do we overestimate then the amount of time? Or are we too kind of anxious about it? I think we are. I think a bit of, you know, it, it, my, my opinion, it's only my opinion, but the, the course is, it is long, and the, particularly the statistics and the inference statistics elements are very long. But a good teacher would, you know, if he did a bit of work in, in, in the transition year and then the rest of the exam over the two years, eat plenty of time. Okay. Well, look, we know that there have been changes made to courses, you know, to offer more students, um, sorry, offer more options to students. And we've touched on that with other subjects. And the same now is true here in maths. So how should students prepare now for this new looking paper as such? Yeah, what this, are the differences? This, this, this yeah. is a big one because what they've done is they, the paper for 2021, it's going to have a choice on it, which it has not had before on this, what they used to call Project Maths. So now there are six small questions which used to be worth 25 marks each, so now we're 30 and you only have to do five. And in the section B of the paper, there are four questions of which you have to do three and they're worth 50 marks each. Now, there's a few things, there's, there's issues with this. That's fine. These students can now decide to leave what, what topic to leave out. But the difficulty is the questions on the honours leaving cert are often multi-topic questions, in other words, you could get two topics or three topics examined in the one question. So by leaving, you've you got to be very careful as to which ones you're going to leave out. So you can get caught out. I mean, in terms of a strategy, you don't want to hear the question, what can I leave out? Because you're going, you might, you might pay a price if you take that gamble. Yeah, I, you know, people, I mean, since this thing came out, I've been asked millions of times, what should we leave out? Now, this, you should leave out what is your worst topic, the thing that breaks your heart, the thing that you can't, you can't you know, you can't get your head around. That's what I would say. Some some teachers say leave out things like financial maths, mainly because it's a standalone subject, so it, it won't, you know, permeate into other other topics. So it will be a safe one. If you, you know, people don't like it anyway. But I mean, it would be a safe one to leave out on paper one. And I suppose the one, the other one that would be a safe one to probably leave out on paper two would be geometry. But it just really depends on how far your teacher has got. You know, in covering the course, this this a lot of students have missed an awful lot of school, and you know these Zoom lessons are not, are not the, the the answer, and it's going to be very hard, you know, to try and get some sort of a handle on how students are doing because doing tests over the internet is not really that secure. So what you're saying is, if you're at home and there's one particular topic, as you say, is breaking your heart, that's the one maybe that you should look at dropping. I'm saying that would be yeah, 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 it, because you have a choice. Yeah. And if this thing was to come up as one of the choices and you've dropped it, well, you're no, you're no worse off. Okay. But you want to be careful, you know. I mean, you, know, you, you can drop too much. The, 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 the financial maths one is, is, is a good one in, in the sense that students don't like it, first of all. And secondly, um, it's standalone, which means that, you know, it, it, it doesn't take, take up space in other questions. The, the other one is the geometry. But giving up geometry you'd want to still hold on to some sort of the definitions and things like similar triangles would be very important. Because that will creep in possibly to other questions. Exactly, absolutely, exactly. OK, well, look, the amended paper then, you might talk us through it. I mean, let's start with letter A for algebra. Um, talk to us a little bit about what people can do to prepare for algebra. Well, basically, the, the, the usual story, Evan, just practice with the past papers, that's all. One thing I'd say to you, to this, this, this particular examiner or examiner is love quadratic inequalities. So, you know, put a star beside quadratic inequalities. Don't we all, John? 
Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Go on, complex, num- <laughs> complex numbers, very popular, you say. Yeah, there's, I tell you, there's a lovely thing about complex numbers that students might be aware of. It's, this is sort of a little trick. There's a thing called polar form where you write a complex number in angles and it's, it's, it's modulus. But you can actually get the answer straight off your calculator. So no, the teachers mightn't know how to do this. So they, they use the R theta calculator key on the sharp and they, and they use, they, they, they use the similar key on the Casio. They can actually just put in the rectangular form of the complex number and they press a button and it will come the polar form of the complex number. So that's, that's a good one. It's well worthwhile. And moving on to sequences and series then, is it true to say that questions on this topic are popular? You know, they appear most years. They do, yeah, they appear most years and they can often be, a, they can, they sometimes have been a 50-mark question, but they're not bad and... You know, they're really more problem-solving type questions, but they're, they're, I think they're, they're fine. In fact, what you need, really need, need to do is be able to apply a few formulas and you should be OK. OK, financial maths, as you said already, students don't like this topic. It's standalone. Well, well I, tell you, I tell you about financial maths. If they learn how to use the amortisation formula, they can actually tweak it to use it in three different situations, which is not what's normally taught. They can use it to find out, you know, how much amount of money will, will, will become if you make equal installments. That you can find out. Your, your, you can actually work out how much you owe on your loan, Evelyn, if you have one. Useful stuff. Go on. And it's it's uh, it's 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 it, knowing how to use the formula and applying it could probably solve all your problems there. Okay. Moving on to logs, then examiners love them, uh, but students don't. Have you any suggestions to help on this? John? Well, the only suggestion would be to practice the damn things. Students absolutely hate them. They load them. You know, they, they, you know, they know magic solution to this, no? Instead of doing logs. It's the application of the, of the rules of logs. You can't avoid them. They're, they're, they're like the leaving cert. There's no way out of them. They're, just, they're going to be there. The, the examiners love them. So just practice, practice, practice is your thing. Yeah, There's I mean, no way around it. Like anything, you know, with a bit of practice. I'll tell you one thing that is really very important to realise. There's a thing called the low partial credit. Now, the low partial credit... Is, is, is awarded for work of any merit. Now, I did the calculations on t- 2019 Paper 1, and if you just got the, lo- the low partial credit for everything you did, you would have ended up with 36%. Okay, so... So, don't leave out anything. That's well worth it then. Yeah, absolutely. That, now that, that's, that students don't realise that you know, how many marks are sitting there and like in a, in a, in a five-mark question, you could get two for your low partial credit, and you wouldn't be doing an awful lot. I mean, the bar is not set very high for low partial credits. Just to give you an idea, if you're given a factor and you find the root, that's a low partial credit. If you have to differentiate something, it's a low partial credit. So it's really worth, well worthwhile. OK, if we're going to take that phrase, what about this phrase, responses of some merit? Again, this is a useful little tip for people to think about. Yeah, I mean, really, the, my response... Really, what you have, you, you have to cut your cloth. If you know you're going to, you know, you're 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 a better than an ordinary level, you're better than than ordinary level students. So what should you do? You should basically practice your your, your best questions, and, and and secure a lot of marks in those. I mean, one of the things with this exam is, is that it's very rewarding, and because of the fact that it's divided up into small questions and big questions, you can nearly pass the exam on the short questions alone. Really? If you, you keep could, yeah, gathering I mean, up you know, those little marks? Yeah, you, well, you could certainly get 100 marks out of 150, which would be, which would be fantastic.
Well, as you say, we'll take that. Listen, John, I'm going to leave you for the moment because uh, I know that you're going to come back to us near the end of the programme. You're I going to answer to say some one questions. more thing to you. Oh, yeah, go uh, on. Um, While I have you there, go on. I put up a whole pile of free notes on tuition.ie. I was about to tell them that. You didn't Why trust you me. You didn't trust me. <laughs> Don't worry. The notes are on tuition.ie and it's for free, isn't it? Free, yeah, but they're for junior cert, leaving ordinary and leaving higher. Okay. Well, look, while you go put on the kettle, make yourself a cup of tea, we'll come back to you in a couple of minutes to answer some questions that are coming in. Um, and we will uh, throw some more questions at you in about, what, eight, nine, ten minutes. Is that okay? Okay. Thank you so much, John. Thanks. Now, uh, special programmes designed to support schoolgoers and exam students are nothing new here on Radio 1. Back in 1980, Pat Kenny was in the chair for Exam Fever, an ancestor of the study hub. And in this episode, Pat asked Leaving Cert students for advice on tackling exam papers. And although this report is more than 40 years old, I think their tips bear up. Questions, you know, you tend to ramble on a bit. Like, uh, But if you don't know a question and it's a big question, you need to put some time into it. You really don't. You just do the bare necessity and and then go on to one you know because you feel more free. You can write more freely with that. I think you tend to do the bigger questions first. They have the bigger percentage of marks, say 200 out of a total of 600, and then you leave the smaller ones to last because they're only 5 10%. I think you go overboard in the questions you know more about and you tend to put more time into them instead of kind of concentrating on the ones you wouldn't know and that you're, you're losing marks by doing that because you're concentrating too much on one particular question, you know, and you're not going to get the marks anyway. So I think restrict yourself from the questions that might help and then just go back over them. could help you in that way. I think you do tend to do the questions that you know well and you do... You do go repeat yourself a lot as well sometimes in the questions and you don't realise it until you read back over them. You restrict yourself. Um, I always take the questions I know best and I find if I concentrate too much and I just look at the clock and time is gone and I tend to rush the next question. So it's very dangerous. You have to tr- really stick uh, to 35 minutes or 25 minutes and then stop and go on to your next question and then come back on it if you can later on. A lot of folk wisdom from students there, certainly based on experience. Pat Kenny there presenting Exam Fever on RTE Radio back in May 1980. And as we said, some of that advice still holds true today. And if you can afford to lose an hour scrolling through classic TV in radio moments like that going back out decades, check out rte.ie forward slash archives and you will get some real gems there. Now, if you didn't have enough to deal with in terms of exam stress, along with the rest of us at home, students are having to deal with all the uncertainty that COVID-19 brings as well. And I'm joined now by Brendan Kelly, Professor of Psychiatry at Trinity College, Dublin to talk through some of the new stress factors we're facing and what coping mechanisms we can use to counter them. Brendan, good evening to you. Good evening, Evelyn. Brendan, as we said there, you know, generally students have extra stress around exams anyway. But I mean, it's fair to say the pandemic has compounded stress and anxiety for so many of us, isn't it? Yes, it is. Around one person in every five in the general population is experiencing anxiety that they regard as disabling. So that's quite a, quite a lot of people. And when you add the usual stresses of the, the leaving cert to that and uh, simply being a teenager, I think we're looking at a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress in this group. And, you know, as a regular theme on this programme is that students, you know, they're a little in the dark now about classes. They don't even have that kind of steady time frame that the rest of us would have had over the years. So on top of the normal study stress, how tough is it for younger people just now, do you think? 
Well, it's 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 very tough. I mean, humans, 90% of what we do is habit. So we love a timetable, we love a rhythm, we love a routine. And, you know, what students can do now is do their best to keep some kind of rhythm and routine in terms of their sleeping, their eating, their exercising and their studying. And one of the nice tips I've heard for students who are at home is that they should walk to school, um, except, you know, in the morning at half eight, just go out for a walk, maybe for 10 minutes and then wind up back at home. And then at the end of their school day at three or four in the afternoon, go out for another 10 minute walk around in a circle to mark the beginning and the end of the school day, even though the school day is occurring at home. So kind of simulate the the normal routine that they have. But another point that you make that I found really interesting was the media, you know, we focus a lot on the negative maybe of social media and the use of smartphones. And people can be very anxious about seeing students so reliant on their phones in their bedrooms. But you see some positives to technology, don't you? Well, yes, there's no doubt, but no doubt about it that, um, you know, uh, secondary school students in particular, they are very sophisticated users of social media, far more sophisticated than, for example, myself in my mid forties. <laughs> um, and they can identify many good things on it uh, once they, once they, once they manage it properly, because social media allows young people to connect with each other and in groups and configurations that might not otherwise have been possible. And there can be a great sense of connectedness and togetherness. Now, clearly, there are downsides to the use of uh, social media and you know you know at exam time it can contribute to anxiety and stress if if we don't watch how the young people or how you use um, all those various platforms that they're using now but the thing that's interesting as well for me is and you've mentioned it there yourself you know we can talk about anxiety and stress but, but there is a difference between these two Yes, there is. I mean, stress occurs when we feel that the demands placed upon us are greater than what we can do. Anxiety is a more diffuse, a more general thing, which is when we start to feel um, anxious or panicky or afraid in our brains and then our bodies respond, our heart starts beating, we start sweating a little bit and our brain notices this and gets even more anxious and it all goes around in a circle. And one of the best ways to interrupt anxious thoughts is by taking a positive action, a behaviour, you know, standing up, going into a different room, going outside, having a drink of water. It can be difficult to interrupt negative thoughts with positive thoughts, but a positive behaviour will always help to interrupt anxious thoughts. Now, unsurprisingly, we're getting a reaction into, Brendan, lots of questions coming in. For example, this one, is stress contagious? If their friends are saying on social media, you know, I'm stressed, do you find that you need to join a gang and be kind of stressed too? Is that part of it? Well, yeah, yes, it is. And I, I mean, we need to watch uh, how we make each other anxious and make each other stressed. I tend to advise people, for example, to tune into the to, to the news only once or twice a day, not to try and carry the weight of a pandemic around, and also to watch what they look at and share on social media. Even if we spot something really outrageous um, and we share it with somebody, we are amplifying the anxiety. So it's good to try and step back and ask yourself, you know, am I making other people anxious inadvertently by sharing my anxiety or am I sharing my anxiety in a supportive way that will help the other person? I was fascinated by the idea of the physical actions breaking the loop because I think, you know, many of us have this image of the students who are listening tonight, a lot of them at home, maybe in bedrooms for hours and hours on end, not what the plan was, maybe. It can get very insular and very isolated. And you're saying, look, if you find yourself going to maybe having to start getting stressed 
stressed or getting anxious, recognise it and stop, you know, try do something. Just stand up and leave the house. Forget the timetable for that minute or, you know, that 20 minutes. Try and interrupt it a little bit. Yes, physical actions are the key to interrupting this kind of anxiety. And in fairness, the HSE website um, has some excellent advice about just this under on hse.ie under Healthy You, where it has a section, for example, called Outsmart the Exam Monster. And that advises taking regular five-minute breaks every 30 minutes, uh, staying hydrated, watching your sleep, and also taking exercise. Physical movements and physical activity are the key to interrupting anxiety. Another quick question for you, Brendan. Any tips for a parent? Actually, we touched on this the other day about school refusal, but any tips for a parent who's in a different way, maybe trying to get their child out of the bedroom, out into the rest of the house and out into the fresh air? Well, getting teenagers out of their beds and into the fresh air has been one of the oldest problems mankind has ever faced (laughs) since the beginning of time. Um, But I agree it is additionally difficult now. Again, there is some good guidance there. The Jigsaw website, for example, has a parent's guide to leaving cert stress, um, which deals with how best to bring a sense of calm to the household and to communicate with teenagers. And it does suggest we don't demonise stress, that we listen when somebody is feeling panic rather rather than fueling it, and also that we take uh, our opportunities, uh, you know, to, to chat when that's appropriate. And on the other side of the coin, that HSE website as well has a section uh, for young people called How to Get On With Your Parents. So that's some important reading there as well. Gosh, I'll be looking up some of these myself this evening, Brendan, at the end of our conversation. A lot of useful stuff there. And I think, you know, again, what I'm taking from you is we're not to panic, you know, with the overlines on phones. Phones matter at the moment because they're connecting the young people in a way, but also try and encourage them to get out into that fresh air. That's right. And we need to try and encourage people not to be too invested in their phones, to watch who they follow, to mute, to block people if necessary, track their usage, but above all, have time limits for our phones. And remember, young people learn from their parents and guardians. If we're on our phones all day and all night, that's exactly what they will do. For good or for for, for not for good, shall we say, uh, children emulate their parents. So we need to watch what we do as well. Okay, now you're making me feel bad. But what about finally, Brendan, one last question. Getting on with siblings in the house, because usually what I remember was that the Leaving Cert student often dictated the mood and the dynamic in the house. Yes, yes, the, the, the Leaving Cert student often does and other siblings begin to resent this in various different ways. Um, I, you know, there are things that we can manage in the house that diffuse anxieties without addressing it head on. So if we make sure everyone gets out of the house at least once a day in whatever configurations work best, it can be necessary for everybody to go for walks separately in order to make the household work. Um, it's important that everyone uh, moderates their phone and uh, social media um, usage and it's also important that we recognise this is always a difficult time. Exam time is always difficult and the best way to deal with panic is to give space and time for it to diffuse. And also um, one of the pieces of advice on Jigsaw for parents is to keep everybody nourished. So in the event that nothing else works, simply provide a lot of food. <laughs> that tip I like too. Listen, thank you so much Professor Brandon Kelly for joining us this evening. Uh, some great advice there and I just wanted to alert you at home as well to another great free event 
taking place next week where over 11,000 secondary students and teachers are expected to attend a virtual health fest on Wednesday the 27th of January at 2 o'clock organised by the National Dairy Council. Lots of experts involved in that and I'm delighted to say that their dietitian Kayleen Murphy will be there and she'll be joining us on the study hub on Tuesday with sound advice on food and exercise too. So if you want to attend that please ask your teacher to register you online at healthfest.ie. John Brennan we've got about one minute I think to uh, ask a couple of questions very very quickly too. My friends uh, say that financial maths questions only come in odd years. Is it possible to leave it out? It's possible to leave it out but they, did, they actually came up in 2020 in the exam they did in, in um, October. Okay and finally then do I need to be able to find the sum to infinity of a geometric series? You do. There you go. That's Just the other thing too, that, that key on the Casio calculator to do the, the, the cute quick thing for complex numbers yep. is the POL key. Okay, very good. Listen, John, thank you so much. Unfortunately, that's our time gone for this evening. I want to thank you, John, and uh, all our contributors this evening. And a quick reminder to check our podcast, which is up very quickly after the show ends. The Study Hub on RT Radio 1 will be back speaking French, apparently, on Tuesday night. So you've time to get your questions in for that. We'll talk to you at 6.30pm on Tuesday. But in the meantime, you can email us at studyhub at rte.ie. It's 6.32 and Evelyn O'Rourke is here with Drive Time Study Hub. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Drive Time Study Hub podcast. If you want more resources to support your learning from home, check out rt.ie forward slash learn.